You're listening to the Detroit Worldwide Podcast, where we highlight the stories of Native Detroiters that are doing great things in their community and using their impact across the globe. I'm Marquise Taylor. Welcome to the D. What up, though? Welcome to another installment of the Detroit Worldwide Podcast. I am Marquise Taylor. And on this week's edition of the podcast, we had the opportunity to sit down with someone that is doing some amazing work in the film industry. Joining us on the podcast this week is Ken Nelson Jr. And in this particular conversation, we discuss Ken's body of work at large. This dude is a film director, writer, and producer. He's received a multitude of accolades. In fact, I encourage each person to check out his recently released film, and the name of it is called I Vow. It is a four-episode anthology that discusses the ups and downs of marriage, and it is available on multiple streaming platforms. In addition to being a filmmaker, Ken is also a fellow podcaster, and the name of his podcast is called Life Beyond the Lens, available on multiple streaming platforms. He converses with a variety of people within the film industry. In fact, he was recently recognized by Apple for having one of the top shows in his genre. So needless to say, this dude is winning in multiple areas. Now, all of that being said, you have heard enough from me. So why don't we dive into the discussion that I had with the one and only Ken Nelson Jr. All right, this is Detroit Worldwide. And today I am joined by a very special guest. Who we have on the podcast today is a film writer, producer, and director. Our guest on Detroit Worldwide this week is Ken Nelson. And in this particular episode, Ken is going to dive into everything that he is doing. He has an extensive body of work that I've been able to check out. And we're going to just dive into everything. So, Ken, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. What up, though? Man, man, I appreciate you having me on, man. It's a pleasure to be on. I, I'm, I'm used to being on the other side interviewing people, so this is the first for me, man. In a while being interviewed, we had some great questions. I had to, I had to, I mean, I had to think about this for a while. I mean, you sent me some great questions, bro. So I'm excited about this, man. Sure, for sure. So as I'm learning more about your background, I mentioned that you were a podcast host, a film producer, but I want to connect you to our listening audience. So why don't you begin by telling them more about yourself and all of the amazing work that you're doing? Yeah, I, I mean, 
just more about myself. I'm married, man. I've been married uh, 10 years. Got a three-year-old son. He's keeping us busy, man. You know, he's keeping us real busy. <laughs> I went to Castech, Michigan State University, and I uh, did my undergrad and grad at Michigan State University. And yeah, man, I mean, I, like you said, filmmaker, writer, director, I, I, I didn't always start off with film. Like I always grew up wanting to be a filmmaker, but I, I, I gravitated towards acting. And um, so more recently, I've moved over, probably in the last couple of years, moved over into really focusing on filmmaking, man. So some of the things I'm currently doing, I, did, I got a feature film that came out in 2018, and that was distributed, and that can currently be seen on Amazon and Tubi. Um, I worked on a series in 2019 called I Vow. My feature film is called Sincerely Brenda, and my series is called I Vow. It was on Amazon, and it went to Urban Flix, and now it's going to be my platform that's not out yet. It's launching soon, a new platform. And man, my film, Sincerely Brenda, was nominated for 44 awards and it won 19 awards. Some of those were in Italy, which was crazy when that happened, man. And, you know, I'm just I'm just currently, like you said, doing a podcast, Life Beyond the Lens, and um, working with Detroit, other Detroit filmmakers on a, a new series that's coming out. It's a, it's a collection of short films from the Black experience and a nuanced Black stories. And so I'm working with some very talented filmmakers from Detroit on that project. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I just like I love film. I can't wait to talk more, you know, with you about it and, and about it, some of the stuff that I'm doing. Now, I want to circle back and pivot a little bit to where it all began, the city of Detroit. So what was it like growing up in the D? Man, I, I remember, like I said, I grew up on the east side. And I remember just one of the things that stand out is my boy, my really good friend. We would always just be riding bikes around the city, man, in the summertime. We would just go to video stores, you know, be getting all these movies. I'd be riding to my grandparents' house. They didn't live too far from me. We would just be all over the city, man, on our bikes, you know, just just for hours, you know, and that stands out to me. You know, I, I grew up with both my parents and they both worked, you know, so I would, you know, like I just, those fond memories of like, uh, my dad was kind of like, a, my mom worked more full-time traditional. My dad was kind of like um, entrepreneurial. So like he he did he would be home like sometimes you know he'd be working sometimes he would take us with him to his office and things like that but I I remember that growing up man and um I was also you know when I was in middle school well, elementary school I started acting and then I was just acting throughout you know middle school high school and even in college and but I remember in Detroit just always being involved with theater man rehearsing you know when I wasn't at home I was at school rehearsing and so. Those are fond memories for me, man. I have a sister too, so a younger sister, five years younger than me. So just those those are my memories I have of growing up in Detroit. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, I know you spoke about you acting throughout majority of your life, but I'm curious to know in what ways did growing up in Detroit influence your creativity and passion for the arts? Yeah, man, so definitely theater was one, for sure. I think just theater and all the great actors and, and talent that's in Detroit, man. I think sometimes it can be underrated, like, like for movies and for acting. You know, Detroit's known for cars and, and music, you know, but I think there's a there's a lot of great actors and, and filmmakers that are diamonds in the rough out there. So just so coming up, man, theater was my thing. You know, that really influenced me being involved with Mosaic Youth Theater, which is a big, big, big theater program out there. I got to travel with them. To different cities, performing music hall, which was huge. You know, I was like 
14, you know what I'm saying? And, and I'm on stage in front of hundreds of people performing like in a lead role and going to different cities. So that really just like gave me confidence, you know, and it just, just fed into the creativity and the passion that I have for the arts. Cast Tech, you know, has a great theater program. I was taught by a great teacher out there, Marilyn McCormick, like she's known as a, as a theater teacher, performing arts teacher at Cast, and like she really helped develop me, you know, and that, that slow thing shaped me, man. And, and, you know, like I said, Detroit, like I said, it can be underrated for filming, for acting. But I, I really think, like I said, those experiences helped shape me, my creativity and my passion for the arts. Now, another thing that's dope about your background is that you are a two-time graduate of Michigan State University. So that being said, what did community look like for you in East Lansing? Man, so the community for me, like, you know, this was, it's interesting, like, because I went to CAST, you know, obviously it's predominantly Black. It's probably like, when I went, I remember maybe three white students in CAST. But I always was like, you know, I always was like, wanted to experience diversity. So I like all kinds of folks, right? So I was originally actually supposed to go to Dillard University for theater. And that's in, in New Orleans. And I had a scholarship to go for theater. But I really didn't want to major in, in, in theater anymore. I wanted to major in media, right? And so I was supposed to go to Kent State. Uh, I, actually, I was in Kent State for, for mass communications. And I saw Michigan State's campus. It was like, oh, the campus is beautiful. And they had a specific major, like digital media arts and telecommunications. And so when I went to Michigan State, you know, obviously it was kind of a culture shock. But then I was always kind of being in theater, I've experienced a lot of different people, you know, so it wasn't a huge culture shock for me. And then I invited kind of the diversity. So I had friends of all walks of life when I was there, man. One of my best friends, though, was black. Like, and so we kind of like, you know, we kind of hung together and we, we went to these different places together and like really formed a bond. And so that was like kind of my community was like in my dorm room floor, like him and then like a couple other people. So I really found a community there. But what's funny, man, is is I was kicked out of the university my sophomore year. So I'll just be real quick with that. Like I did great my freshman year. And then like after freshman year, I was like, I don't want to be here no more. I want to go to California and I want to be an actor in Hollywood. And that didn't work out. Like I never left Michigan. I just basically I stopped going to class. I was just hanging out, playing video games. And I pretty much flunked out and got kicked out on academic probation. And I just worked around Lance for a year or two, just worked, worked, worked and never went to California. And eventually, like, I was like, I need to go back to school because I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I don't want to like I want something different. And it was funny because everywhere I worked, people was always like, what are you doing here? Like, you seem like you don't fit here. And I'm like, they're like, where you come from? I'm like, well, I went to Michigan State. You know, why don't you just go back to school? I'm like, well, wow. So eventually I, I did go back and I didn't even have to go. I was supposed to go to like a community college to show academic like competence. And it was a blessing. Like they said, oh, you can just come back. And so when I came back, I came back focused and really like knocked it out. You know, then I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't want to go work yet. I want to stay in school. So I went to grad school. Didn't do well on the GRE. Didn't think I was going to get in. Ended up getting in. And I killed it, man. Like, so my second go at it, you know, in grad school, I was like a 4.0 student, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just focused, man. I came back focused. So to answer your question, yeah, man, a community, I had a couple friends, a handful of friends and um, kind of stuck with them. Then when I was kicked out, <laughs> I kind of was like working all over the place, came back and really was focused. I had friends too, 
in a community, but it, the community for me was really like the filmmakers and the, the media people. You know, I really just stayed there and soaked that up. And it was diverse people. I had friends from other countries, black friends, white friends. So, you know, that kind of fed into who I am. Now, earlier you spoke about being an actor and how that's got you interested in the arts and also in entertainment. So I am curious to know what made you pivot away from acting and transition into the role of a producer and director? Yeah, so I'll give you the short answer first. Like, I was a good actor, but I wasn't great. And I also, I wanted to control my destiny. I wanted to create my own stories, you know, and, and not wait for somebody to say yes. And so that's the short answer. And like, I, I always was into filmmaking ever since I was a kid, you know, like I, I was making films with a VHS camera, running around with my friends, like, editing those boys like inside the camera figuring out how to like add music to it and voiceover just this you know i was always kind of in it i would be i was like the teenager i was going to the video store getting all kinds of movies man like random foreign films i was watching films i shouldn't have been watching like just like rated r films i was probably 12 13 and but the, the cartoon like anime all kind i was watching i had a hunger for films and all kinds of different types of things, right and so but i used to study those man and and so when I when I came to college, I just realized I didn't like some of the roles that was available for black actors. You know, I was like, I don't want to play a slave. I don't want to play a, a servant. I don't want to play like I, it was a lot of those historical kind of plays and stuff I'm like I'm, I'm good. I, I, and, and so uh, but there was a couple of, of playwrights and people that I connected with that were doing some cool plays like and I got involved with them there. But I, I kind of lost the passion for acting, man. I was like. I really just want to, it goes back to saying, saying that I was a good actor, but I started seeing actors that were like, that were great. And they were they were in stuff that wasn't pushing me, right? Like they were good in it, but like, I think I have a gift for seeing kind of untapped potential in actors. And it could be like a small little detail that I see. And I'm like, yo, I think I wrote something for them. I think that they could really shine in this. So being an actor, like and understanding how difficult it can be, like I always wanted to create a space for actors to just like shine. So that's really how I came over into the producer director again. So so to find a platform for actors to really shine and then to create my own stories, man, and to control that and not wait for somebody to say, yeah, because I've been on the other side, man, many times audition. It's brutal. Like I've been in auditions where I'll go in and like they would look at a couple people and be like, Okay, you, 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 you go. The rest of you stay. And I, I've been on that side where I was had to leave. And I'm like, I didn't even get the audition. So it showed me like, man, I can't like, have not a certain look, right? And then I can't even like show the talent that I have because I don't even look the part. I didn't like that, man. I was like, yo, I, I, I want to be on the other side of the table. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want to be making decisions. I want to create opportunities. So that's really where I made that shift. I like the example you use of untapped potential that you can kind of see the vision and people and just realizing those things. Now, speaking of vision, 2018 was a big year for you. You released your first feature film titled Sincerely Brenda. And let me just preface by saying this dude wrote, produced, and directed it. I mean, it's like some Prince type stuff, you know, <laughs> just everything. <laughs> so... I want to hear more about it. I had the distinct pleasure of watching it. I enjoyed it very thoroughly. 
in your own words, maybe tell our listening audience more about it and also what inspired you to create that body of work. Yeah. So the movie is called Sincerely Brenda. It's about a family. They, they experience a loss and this loss brings them together for a weekend. And it's particularly the father and his two sons. And he's been out of their life for 20 years. And so they have to face some some past demons and uh, make amends. You know, they have to make amends and forgive each other and, and reconcile some of these things over the weekend. And what inspired me to make the film, and the first thing was I just wasn't seeing images of Black men on screen that were multi-layered, that were complex, emotionally complex. Like, so I grew up, you know, like I said, I had my mom and dad, but I grew up and, and my mom's brothers and my dad's brothers, there was, I saw different types of black men, right? They were not the same. And a lot of times black men are portrayed like two-dimensional in movies. Like you either really nice black men, really angry black men, funny black men. Like, you know, it, it's just very two-dimensional characters. And it has gotten better over the last, I would say last three to four years it has gotten consistently better with some of the roles that we see. But I hadn't seen like anything with a father and his sons like that was emotionally complex. And that showed black men in a vulnerable state, like not weak, but just vulnerable. And they have to face some of these things, you know, head on and work together to get past it. So I wanted to create something like that, man. And and it, the idea first dropped in my head. Like I say, it was kind of like divine, man. It was like a like these characters dropped in my head and I was like ignoring them like ah no I'm, I'm good I don't have that experience I didn't go through some of these things in the film like I didn't have a father that was alcoholic I didn't you know that that wasn't my experience so I'm like I can't how can I be true to it and then I just started forgetting it, ignoring it but they just kept growing the characters kept speaking to me it took me about three years to write it because I just kept throwing it away because I didn't have the confidence like I don't have those experiences so eventually I was like okay my, my wife said in 2017 that she was pregnant at the beginning of 2017 and i'm like man if i don't write this now i probably won't write it and so wrote the whole 2017 just hammered it out wrote it and then went into production in 2018 and finished it in 2018 premiered it in 2018 and it was like man like it was received very well i was afraid that it wasn't going to be received well because of the way i was depicting the family like you never i hadn't seen like a black family on screen Kind of like this and i don't know man you can kind of you can you can give me your perspective of it but i felt like a lot of times we don't really show some of the dysfunction that may be there in a, in a family black family it's not really shown on a deep level like sometimes i feel like it's kind of scratched the surface or it's like too dramatic where it's like okay so i wanted to like really show some of the like nuanced things that happen you know when we don't share information when we don't speak when we let things kind of fester for years like what does that do to somebody and when you all come together i wanted to really like show the nuances and like the the small like details of how unforgiveness and how hurt and pain can like you know can affect you over the years so anyway i was inspired by by these characters man i was inspired by people i started talking to and i was researching that told me stories about like some of the things they had to get over you know I know I didn't go through some of these things, but if I just try to respect the characters as much as I can and like be honest to their stories and what they're going through, I know it's going to resonate with other people, you know? And so that was kind of my journey with it, man. It was crazy because I was late. I was, my wife and I bought a house in 2017 towards the end. Our son was born in December, 2017. And then I, the beginning of 2018, I was laid off and she was like, you got to make this movie still. So I was like, man, I was laid off from my job. 
and I just started freelancing, you know, and and the Lord blessed, man. We had clients and, you know, I was freelancing and doing that and then making the film all 2018 and got it done, man. So it's really a testament to just faith and, and resilience, perseverance, man, and a vision, like having a vision and sticking to it. Man, I love it, man. I love the movie. And just as a follow-up question, as I'm thinking about the movie in real time, you mentioned earlier when you gave your introduction how you received all these awards and accolades for that particular film. So what was it like for your first film to come out of the gate and to receive this acclaim and these accolades? Like, could you describe that feeling for us? Yeah, I was, I was, it was surreal. Like, I remember the first awards we got was from Italy. Like, it was funny because my, my, my wife was, I didn't want to do film festivals. I was like, we just gonna screen this and we gonna send it direct to the people because film festivals sometimes can hold up the process. You gotta wait. So I was against it. And then I discovered, you know, monthly film festivals. So I was like, oh man, these, this is kind of dope. You can submit your film and then like you can get an answer in a month. So it's not holding me up, holding up progress. So the first one I submitted to was Prisma, which was uh, in, in Rome. And I was like, man, whatever, we'll see what happens. Man, like we, we made it to the semifinals and then like, I was like, oh, that's that's good, man. That's enough. And then we actually, the, the film won best feature film out of, I mean, you're competing against hundreds of films from all over the world. Like it won best feature film, best lead actor, best supporting actor, best cinematography, and one more. But I was in shock, bro. Like, because one of the visions I had was like, I, this is a black film, but I wanted to resonate with everybody because it's human, right? You know what I'm saying? Like it's human experiences. And that confirmed for me, like, wow, that the vision I had, like, came to fruition. It was like, it resonated, not just, you know, with other cultures in America, but a whole different culture outside of America. And they awarded the film, like, all these awards. So it was surreal, man. And then it just kept getting nominated for stuff. And then it was just weird. It turned from, like, being surreal to, like, I'm happy to, like, weird now. Like, okay, um, <laughs> like, can I do this again? Like... Is, you know what I'm saying? So that, that feeling started, just, it's, it's a funny thing, man. I'm like, oh man, all right, this was a kind of a home run. Can I get another one? Like, and, and I started to put pressure on myself, right? For the next piece that I did. And then like, even and still now it's like, man, you know, I put that pressure. Cause you know, you do something, you always want to like innovate and be better than the next thing that the first thing that you did, you know, the previous, you know, thing that you did. And so I'm the hardest person on myself, man. I, I Most of the stuff I don't like that I do. And I have to like, get other people's eyes on it because I'm just too hard on myself, you know? And so again, it was surreal. Then it was just like, I felt great. And then I started to feel like pressure. And <laughs> that's kind of like the, the progress of my feelings. Now, along with Sincerely Brenda, you released a four episode anthology called I Vow, which highlights the ups and downs of marriage. So I'm curious to know what was the driving force behind this project? And also, what's been the reception of it so far? Yeah, so the first, I wanted to do something after Sincerely Brenda. Like, I didn't want to do another feature because it was just so much work to get a feature off the ground. So I decided, man, maybe do like an anthology series with a short, you know, 20-minute episodes. We can shoot them real quick and I can bring in other writers and directors to kind of take the pressure, not pressure, but take the load off of, of me. Like, you know, I can spread it out. Plus, it's not just that, but I, but my vision is to create, you know, platforms for other artists, right? 
actors, directors, writers, whatever, to really come in and operate in their gift. And so I like, this is a perfect opportunity to do that. So that was the one thing. The second thing, just the first year of being a father and, and like, you know, when you're married and you're just you and your wife, like that's one aspect of it, of the marriage. And then like you bring this third person in now and it's like, man, it just totally shifted everything. And so it's just how like we kind of like connected and spoke and just like existed with each other in the space. And now we have this little person and it, it, I just, it was just overwhelming, man. Like it's just beautiful. Then there was times where it was just very stressful and, and times where you're like, man, like, I don't know how we gonna do this. You know what I'm saying? And so I really wanted to make something with my, my episode in particular is the first episode called Unexpected Request. But I really wanted to make something where I could just show like a small piece of what I was going through and what my wife was going through. And particularly again with men, like I feel like a lot of times and and rightfully so, the woman gets a lot of attention during this time because she got to carry the baby, she got to birth the baby, like she got to go through all this with her body, all this with her, with the biology, all this stuff happens and it's on her. But then the man has got to, we got to be strong, we got to be, but we go through stuff too, man. Like you know what I'm saying? Like my my wife had a a, a C section, like and we were it was an unplanned C section. So we were going in there expecting to have a regular natural birth and then this happened. So it's like, I got to be strong. I got to like, but I, inside I'm dying, bro. Inside, scared. Like, is, am I going to lose her? Am I going to lose? So all this stuff, I, I can't show it, right? But what did that do to me, man? Like, so it came out and it manifested in different ways. And so with this film, man, I just wanted to show like this couple with my particular episode, I wanted to show this couple like they're distant emotionally and they're not talking about why. And then you kind of see through their friends, they kind of meet up with their friends from college and then something was going on there, but some things happen. And then like eventually put them in a situation where they have to face each other and talk about what was happening these last few months mm. and realize that they still love each other very deeply. They just aren't communicating effectively. And you know what I'm saying? And so a lot of times stuff happens because we just aren't communicating with each other effectively. We may not know how to communicate what we're feeling. You know what I'm saying? And so, that's kind of what I went through that first year and, and with having our son. And so the other episodes, I just wanted the writers to come in and, and write from their personal perspective. I had a boy that went through a divorce and like he wrote, you know, from that perspective, you know, this episode about a couple that doesn't want to have kids and their family's putting pressure on them. Um, there's another episode about a couple that's, you know, they, they're distant from each other. And then like religion has a lot to do in that because they have two different beliefs, you know, spiritual beliefs. And so... Yeah, man. I mean, it was a really cool project and and people really, the response was great with that, man. And I had a couple of mine in particular, man. I had a couple of my friends like, yo, what you trying to do, man? <laughs> like they were watching it with their wives and like, yeah, they were like, man, why you, why you had to do that? And my wife was <laughs> start questioning me, start talking to me about stuff. And I'm like, well, that's the kind of the point, you know? Um, but it, it was, man, the response has been good just from women that saying, I felt like that when I had my first child or my second child. Mm. You know, I just try to create stuff that's real and raw and authentic that gets people like, that touches people in a way where they have to talk. They feel compelled to like talk because that's how we heal, man. You know, when we face these, face these things. Man, for sure. Well, I was one of those men. I watched it by myself. So I just kind of was sat in my feelings and emotions as I watched it by myself. Maybe I'll have the courage to watch it with my spouse at some point, but it was very good. I mean, it hit some some really good points and it really hit on a lot of emotions. So saying all this to say like, it's, it's excellent. Like thank everything. You, thank you. 
definitely. Now, in addition to being a filmmaker, you also ventured into the world of podcasting. So maybe tell us more about your podcast and how it feels to go into that arena. Yeah. So the podcast is called uh, Life Beyond the Lens. And I wanted to create a podcast for filmmakers to come on, particularly Black filmmakers, and to talk about not just the process of making films, but like the emotional aspect, the stuff we go through to make a film. <laughs> like there's a lot of a lot of people don't like to talk about that. Like we just like to talk about the awards and the accolades and like post about the film being made or whatever. But it takes a lot to get these things done. And sometimes it takes a toll on, on you emotionally and physically. Filmmaking is not easy. Like, you know, a lot of times we're making films with minimal resources. And so, you know, it, it's a strain on the, on the pockets, you know, financially. And so it's a lot that goes into it. And so I wanted to create a space for filmmakers, whether they're actors, writers, producers, directors, like whatever, to come on and just talk about their successes and their failures and then just provide tips and tools for up-and-coming filmmakers to listen to and be like okay we're not alone like i had a guest on my boy that was he was in ival he talked about having you know addiction to alcohol he talked about you know where that came from like you know from childhood from things that happened to him in childhood he was open about it you know but but it's important man because these things affect our work right whatever we kind of are going through emotionally it affects our, whether you were in film or whether you you know a doctor or a lawyer whatever you are like there's a root cause for some of these things and so I just wanted to create a space where people felt safe. They can come on and talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, man. And, it's, and ultimately, like their success, like as a result of all these things, they didn't let the, they, they didn't let these things break them, right? You know. And so I wanted to just share that with with other people that may not want to talk about it, and they can listen to this privately and 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 work through some things. So that's really the the inspiration for the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Now we are heading into the home stretch. And this is one of my favorite segments of the podcast about music. I love music. And everybody who comes on Detroit Worldwide, I ask them this following question. If they had to identify a song in their opinion that best represents Detroit, what would that song be? So, Mr. Kenneth Nelson, I pose that question to you. Hit me. Man, when I heard this on, on Listen to Your Podcast, I was like, man, oh, man, I don't even know what... And so I was thinking and thinking, thinking on it. And I'm like, oh, I got it, man. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, man. Summertime. Like, mm. I think, you know, it just goes back to, like, just the, the memories of riding my bike, man, playing with my friends. Just the innocence, man, you know, and just just family get-togethers. You know, sometimes when we got the hustle and bustle, you know, I think back on that, man. Just family and fun in the summertime, man. And so that that'd be the song. that That's the song that stuck out to me. Man, I love that. And I think you are the second person to use that song. And people just don't realize, man, the Fresh Prince, boy, woo. And I love that song, boy. That takes me back every time I hear it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So I know you mentioned just the work that you have out that's available for streaming, but what's next? And how can we as a community support the work that you are doing? Man, so actually, I, I'm, I'm working with my boy, a um, good friend of mine, man, talented filmmaker out of Detroit. His name is Zachary Cunningham. He kind of spearheaded this collection of short films. So it's a collection of short films exploring the different nuances of Black thought and experiences. And so it's called Darker Than Blue. So, man, it's going to be like short films that come out every month from different filmmakers in Detroit. So I, I'm one of those filmmakers. I got something coming out. Not sure when it's coming out yet, but I'm going to go into production on that soon. 
it's a, it's on a topic that I man I love talking about, and, and I'll, I'll I'll give a little bit. It's, it's about you know social media and relationships and kind of like what we show and what we don't show. So I'm gonna be exploring that in this new short film. But the collection of shorts, man, is called Darker Than Blue, and then on Instagram you can go to at d r k r then. B-L-U. So darker than blue. D-R-K-R-T-H-A-N-B-L-U. And that's on IG. You can follow that and you can um, follow all the, the talented directors and filmmakers that are going to be on that. So for me personally, man, you can you can follow me at, on Instagram at, at Ken Nelson Jr. That's K-E-N-N-E-L-S-O-N-J-R. I have my film company website, RayMediaCreative.com. And on Facebook, I'm Kenneth Nelson Jr. And so, yeah, working on those, man, I'm working on another feature that's i've been writing for a little while and so that's based in detroit so I, i'm excited for that damn man the podcast is life beyond the lens i'm on an apple podcast most of the major podcast um platforms i'm on there but that's where people can find support and just just share man you know i think for as an indie filmmaker it's always difficult you know when we have minimal resources so the most power that we have is when the audience you know finds and shares our work you know whether it's buying or renting it or sharing it you know with their family and friends so please just continue to share and support yeah for sure we make sure we do that and you already gave out your social media information that's usually the next question i ask so i guess my final question to you is we wrap up and that question is simple what does detroit mean to you man this was another tough question i had to really man go deep for this and think about it man i got i came up with two things man the first one was resourcefulness when the second one was with respect. So the resourcefulness, man, like, you know, I think just learning to create something from nothing, you know, and I had to do it with my films, you know, growing up. I mean, we weren't, we didn't grow rich, man. So it's like parents working and, and just creating things, giving us things that we may have wanted, not everything, but we always got what we needed. And they were just always resourceful, man. And, and again, just how I got into cast tech, I was not a good test taker. But I got in through my talent, man. I had to be resourceful and, and was like, okay, I'm an audition. And I got in, you know, the same with just pretty much a lot of stuff, man. I just had to find ways to do it because I didn't always have all the resources. But Detroit taught me how to be resourceful, man, and respect, you know. So there's two parts of that. My parents, they always taught my sister and I to be respectful, you know, to others, be kind to others. But then there's also the other part of respect that Detroit taught me, man, the kind of the streets. It's like, I was not the dude that's out in the streets. I, I was like always, you know, in school or, or in the house and stayed kind of to myself, to my circle. But I, but look, man, I knew I was smart enough to know that there were some people, it's like, look, man, don't disrespect nobody. Like I was, I'll always show respect. Cause there was some, there was some, some thugs, some gangsters, man, on my street. There was stuff with my, my mom. I, I watched my mom, my dad, my mom would be baking for everybody. Like asking about people's kids, you know what I'm saying? No matter how gangster somebody was, they they respected my mom and my dad. They respected us. And so I always show respect, man. So I learned that. And so that that carried over into what I do, my work. When I'm when I'm making films, man, I'm I don't care if I'm the director, producer, exact, I don't care what it is. Like, man, I'm respecting everybody that come on the set, man. Like I remember that was a film I was in. I was I was directing and I was getting coffee for the actors. And they were like, what? Like, you the director. I'm like, nah, like, you helping me out. You know what I'm saying? And so I always just show that respect and I always try to be a, uh, to serve others, man. And like, so that's what Detroit for real, man. It, it taught me that respect. Yeah, for sure. Well, Ken, thank you so much for coming onto this podcast, man. Much appreciated. 
I love, love, love the work that you're doing on film, man. It is so fantastic. Like, put a lot of great attention to detail. Your podcast, that is also great as well. But I'm just glad that we had the opportunity to connect and vibe. I got to make sure our mutual homeboy, shout out to the homie Niles. Make sure yeah. he gives us a listen. And much respect and many blessings to you, bro. Man, thank you, Marquise. Man, I really appreciate you asking me to come on, man. This was great. I love what you're doing too. Like just basically giving people from Detroit a platform to talk about what they do. And just again, it's about platforms, man. A lot of times we don't get the opportunities to to be given a chance to to speak and to show what it is that we're doing and to teach others, man. You know what I'm saying? And so thank you for what you're doing as well. I appreciate that, bro. Well, on behalf of Ken Nelson, I am Marquise Taylor. This is Detroit Worldwide, and we will both holler at y'all on the other side. Peace. Thank you. Loving what you're hearing? Then feel free to leave us feedback. Feedback can be posted online when listening to Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, feel free to leave a review as well. You can also find us on the gram at Detroit Worldwide Podcast and on Twitter at Detroit World Pod. This platform would not exist without your support. I thank you.